Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio's Eat, Drink, and Be Merry show featuring a special wine time with Peggy. So this is our new thing. It's Wine Time with Peggy every first Wednesday here on Big Blend Radio. Uh, Peggy Fiandaka is the owner, co-owner of LDV Winery. You can find their tasting room in Scottsdale, Arizona. Their vineyard is down in the Chiricahua foothills, the Chiricahua, Chiricahua Mountain foothills. Say that after a glass of wine three yeah, times, go ahead. right? <laughs> um, in southeast Arizona, which is one of the most beautiful places. You're talking about just this incredible geology, which I think really adds to their wine, which is absolutely incredible. You may have heard our interview with Peggy and Linda Kassam back in December 2021, and we got to sample the wines, which, like I was saying, fantastic, extraordinary, and I think really that soil and that just that amazing region adds to it. So I encourage you to go to their website. It's ldvwinery.com, and we're super excited to start this new show series with Peggy, we're going to be investigating, you know, wine pairings, like investigating, right? It's a big word for wine. <laughs> we're going to talk about different wines. We're going to talk about all things like what's it like to be in a harvest season. And we're also going to keep up with what's going on at the winery itself and the vineyards and what's happening in the tasting room. There's just a lot to talk about. So, so excited, Peggy. Welcome. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be a part of uh, the family here and and to launch this um, podcast. Cool. Yeah, this is exciting. I know it's something mm. you wanted to do, and I know that you do a lot of Facebook lives, but this is just like that added thing of let's have wine talk, you know, wine time with Peggy and talk about wine. And I think there's so much to explore because number one, like I was saying, your wines are so extraordinary, but there's also education that goes behind it. And I think the wine, there's people who really are wine enthusiasts who know wine, who could walk into a tasting room and, you know, really taste. And then there's a lot of us that are still discovering and learning wine. And I think we, all of us should be welcoming people into the world of wine. And it shouldn't be so, we don't want it to be snobby. Can I just no. say it? <laughs> you know? Abs- absolutely not. I mean, we've always wanted to make our wine experience approachable. And Mm -hmm. I think every time you go into a tasting room, if they're snobby to you or if they walk out, you know, find a place that's going to share their experience, be passionate Mm -hmm. about it and make you feel comfortable as you learn more about wine. Mm. You know, art galleries did the same thing and art and wine kind of went along the same path because they always had wine at gallery openings and, and shows and the galleries got snobby. And then people were afraid to walk into art galleries, which really doesn't help business, does it? You know, so just be friendly. What? The mm, snobby right. thing can go away. And it's right. really about personal taste too, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, to, you know, there's an earthiness with your wine. And I do think it comes from being in your region. What led you to Arizona? Because, you know, you're, you're from back up Midwest and also up, up in the northern, you're, yeah, you're the Midwest area, but like, hey, you've got a background also that goes back to Kentucky and bootlegging. Yes. So like, we want to go into the bootlegging. So I'm sorry, I got to bring that out because moonshine um, is, come on, <laughs> listen, we wouldn't have NASCAR if we didn't have bootleggers. Right. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny uh, that I do have that background because of course, uh, making wine and being in the wine business was never on our bucket list of things to do. Our story is so serendipity, so to speak, on how we got into growing grapes and making wine. But my grandfather was a famous bootlegger in in the hills, back hills of Kentucky. And and, uh, so for me to find myself back to uh, 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 an industry that is making wine is kind of funny. (laughs) And of course, being Italian, you know, I grew up with wine and we made dandelion wine in the oh. basement type of thing. So, wow. there you, <laughs> you go. know, so I have wow. this heritage and, and somehow I found my way to wine and looking for my second act in life. Wow. And so your mm. husband, you know, also he's really more of the, you're doing the brand side of this, but also 
you're you're doing that side, but he's actually out there in the vineyard. Did he ever? Because you both come from like city planning and doing. I mean, that's some coordinating and that's serious work when you're looking at how to design a town, maintain it, and getting everybody's opinions <laughs> and, <laughs> and getting get people away. to agree. <laughs> oh my yeah. god! Oh my god! <laughs> so yeah, so with with going into wine, I mean, how is he enjoying? being out in the vineyard it's a little different oh it is it really is and it's it's interesting to go from a career that people hire you for what you know because we were consultants and now to make a product and create a product that hopefully people are going to love and purchase but Mm -hmm. my husband Kurt Dunham is uh, both the uh, working in the field and growing the grapes and taking care of the vineyard, as well as being a winemaker. And I think it's interesting to have one person kind of involved in both sides of that operation, because it's usually like the yin and the yang, so to speak, Mm. you know, left brain, right brain kind of thing. But he is growing incredible grapes and quality of grapes. And uh, we're producing award-winning wine. So, Mm. so far, he's doing a great job. We're not firing him anytime soon. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, well your wines like i was saying story, do you think the soil has to do with it like i was saying because there's an earthiness to me that i feel like you're drinking mother nature when you drink your wine oh absolutely when we chose our spot soils was one of one of the key um, aspects of why we chose where we chose we're on volcanic soils so mm-hmm. we have that mountain over your shoulder which is the chiricahua mountains and that's our vineyard we're at 5,000 feet for the vineyard and that mountain behind us is 10,000 feet creating its mm. own weather. And that mountain was a volcano thousands of years ago and threw off this plume of really rich um, soils that our vineyard is sitting on. So I have about 18 inches of this rich volcanic soil. And then underneath nice. that are, are rhyolite granite. It's like a catacomb of rhyolite granite that is now that our our vines are reaching 14, 15 years old. They're starting to reach into that rhyolite granite. I think that's what's picking up some of that minerality and mm. some of mm. the richness in the soils as they're getting mm. older. Nice. Ooh. That's it, cool. It's good wine. I remember just mm-hmm. when we opened it up going, oh my gosh, this mm-hmm. is special. This is yeah. special juice. You know, it's like talking <laughs> mm-hmm. about the joy juice. And it was so exciting about Arizona because Again, I don't think people think of Arizona for wine, and yet no. Arizona, even south of you, down in Elgin, Sonoida, is, you know, and then up north of you in Oak Creek area, Arizona is kicking butt in wine. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's something for the rest of the country and the world to know about. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to hear a lot more about Arizona wine. It's a, it's a new industry. I mean, uh, we were number 17 in terms of our licensing just 14 years ago. And now we are over 125 in the state of Arizona in such a short time. And we're getting mm. really fine winemakers coming in to really wanting to produce fine wines, not just touristy-oriented wines, but we can produce that high-quality, uh, grow those high-quality grapes and produce high-quality wine in Arizona. Mm. And you're seeing different um, sub-climate um, or sub-terroir uh, developments all over the state now, not just those three regions you mentioned, but we're getting pockets of grapes being grown throughout the state. You oh. know, I think people still kind of, when they hear Arizona, they think desert. And they Correct. don't realize how different the state is from top to bottom. It's got a lot of different microclimates. So, and it is a good growing region. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. I think a lot of, because we're in our tasting rooms in downtown Scottsdale, where all the tourists come mm. to visit, and sometimes it's their first introduction to Arizona. And they're when they come to Arizona, they're expecting to see the Sahara Desert, I think, yes. or, mm-hmm. you know, or a cat box, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> so that's, cool. and, they, and they show up and they see this lush desert and mm. green and flowers and mm-hmm. uh, so much um, beautiful scenery that they're surprised. And then, you know, one hour away from the valley, you go up north and you're going up in altitude or mm. you're headed to Tucson, you're going up in altitude. Mm. And then 
Um, so there's just so much variety of terrain, of um, vegetation, of animal life throughout the state. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, Linda Kasamu introduced us. Thank you, Diva Linda. Uh, she talks about, we did an interview on uh, the Mesa region of the Fresh Foodie Trail. And in fact, it's airing, you're the first Wednesday, she's the first Saturday, and it'll be airing right after this. And I, you know, we lived in Arizona and we knew Tucson area mm -hmm. really had a lot of ranches. We had vegetation, like vegetables and a little bit more south of us, especially. And it's really neat because it also, you know, pays homage to the indigenous cultures and what they're growing. So mm -hmm. very diverse, but I really didn't know when I started thinking about Phoenix area that all of these farms, uh, you know, like Olive Creek, uh, you know, that what they were doing with their olive uh, milling and olive oils and I just really didn't realize how much growth was going on in your vicinity when it comes to fresh fruits and vegetables and grow. I mean, vertical gardens in inside like malls, strip malls mm -hmm. and things like yeah. that, you know, mm -hmm. hydroponics, everybody. Woo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you never know what's going to come out of that, but it really seems like that that's a, that's pretty amazing to have that right in the heart of the state. Right. We, Arizona, you just add water, we can grow just about anything. And of course, Arizona is the lettuce bowl of, of the world just about mm -hmm. uh, in Yuma. And mm -hmm. in Cochise County, where my vineyard is and where most of the grapes are grown in, in Arizona, we have cotton and corn and pistachios right. and all kinds of nuts and apples, as well, potatoes, as well as um, vineyards that were growing and even beans pinto beans, and beans pinto beans yeah. any mm -hmm. kind of beans yeah. so it's just incredible the amount of agriculture historically we've had in arizona mm -hmm. but also modern day we have a lot of agriculture in rural areas and it's it's an important part of of rural economies here in arizona mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then when you think about that, and then the food scene in Arizona is fantastic. Like, I, I don't know, Nancy, mm. are you kind of yeah. missing food, like like yes. Mexican food? And mm. I'm like, Enchiladas. yeah, I kind of, mm. there's like a whole other <laughs> flavor out there that I'm just kind of missing. I'm just saying, wah. Um, so mm -hmm. do you, does your wine go into restaurants or is it mostly available? I know online you could, you've got a wine club, people can shop online and ldvwinery.com and go to your tasting room. But can people get your wine in local restaurants? Absolutely. We're in, um, we're not in a lot, but we're in very selected um, restaurants. Uh, again, because we really want to control where our wine is placed. And we want to be in restaurants that understand uh, wine and food pairings and mm -hmm. are able to tell our story because we like to come in and train their staff about our story, about our the nuances of our of our wine so that when someone's asking for an Arizona wine or someone's asking for a really unique high quality wine that they may not have heard of the the sommelier or the waiter can introduce our wines to that customer and uh, so we're, we're very select we're not in a lot and we're not in retail so we want mm. customers to come to us to get mm. our wine. So that's something, too, of an education process of people understanding, because it's not like you're not mass producing. This is handcrafted wines, uh, mm. mostly Rhone varietals, right, that for people to understand, like, you're getting like, this is handcrafted, this is hand, hand turned soil, basically, it's you're really getting art. Absolutely. And we're, we like to say we use Pinot Noir winemaking um, style, because we're very careful with our winemaking and Pinot Noir is a very finicky grape, so you have to be real gentle in that process. But we're mm. we're creating wine that has zero zero additives, it's zero residual sugar, it is vegan, it is um, gluten free, because uh, we just want to create the purest, highest quality wine from the grapes we grow every vintage. So mm. if you like one of our wines from a certain vintage, once it's uh, sold out, you can't get it anymore. <laughs> We're not, exactly. We're not trying to create the same wine a year after year, like a formula. So that, um, which that's definitely what people are looking for in a lot of ways, but that's not us. We're really creating a wine that is a reflection of the grapes we grow each year. Mm. 
So do you, have you ever done the um, Lucille Ball grape stomp? <laughs> <laughs> we have for fun. You know, we yeah. don't do it with our grapes, our yeah. quality grapes, but we do have a harvest festival um, from time to time. And we let people get in and stomp grapes and have oh, cool. fun with it. More for a photo op rather yeah. than, um, you know, Drinky. for serious. But yeah. wineries really do that still. Yeah, they do. It's fun. Yeah. How, how challenging is this in regards to you are in a hot climate? And of course, climate mm. is changing. Whether we like to agree on that or not, it is changing. And weather is always changing. How hard, how much of a challenge is this for you guys in regards to harvest season? Can it change? Like suddenly you think it's going to be maybe August and now, hey, we're doing this in June or something. Have you ever had any, is any of that a challenge? Oh, what's it's. Happening? You know, everyone looks at the sexy part of this this venture when you're in the tasting room mm. drinking great wine and having a charcuterie and looking mm. out at the vineyard. That's the sexy part of this, but it's basically farming for us. Mm. Um, everything starts in the field, and if we're not uh, taking care of that vineyard, then we don't have a quality crop to make wine out of. So already this year, we had um, bud break this month. So that's when the, the vines start to come out uh, and alive in er, uh, mid-April it happened. We tried to, uh, a technique this year to water really late into this um, dormancy season to prolong the dormant, the, the grapes being mm. dormant, to try to avoid potential frost, which we can get and which we did get. So right mm. after bud break, we had a frost and so our Viognier grapes, which is our white wine that we, or our white grape that we make wine out of, um, got a little frost damage. Not, we don't think um, so much that it's going to hurt our crop load, but um, that was unexpected. We had no idea that it even got that cold until we went in to the vineyard the next day and saw mm. some crop damage. So, mm. um, so we have to worry this time of year when the the, the vines are waking up and the um, they're just starting to to produce their flower clusters and um, begin flowering as they get to the berry development. This is a real sensitive time. We can get frost. We in Cochise County have a lot of wind. Mm. And so when the wind gets very yeah. high, they can blow off those little um, buds um, mm. or the, the flowers and that would hinder our mm -hmm. our crop load as the season goes on so it's tricky um, you need a swearing bucket yes yeah. exactly <laughs> exactly you need the naughty word bucket <laughs> yeah you know yeah. and we've seen wineries where they have ducks that roam throughout the the vines to eat the bugs and that's interesting we've seen sort of like these smoldering pots at the end of you know and every and so citrus. often to help heat yeah right you right. know so there's it's a lot more complicated than people think and you know we think we can control mother nature yeah well <laughs> i don't i mean we we installed a really sophisticated weather station in the vineyard so we can track no matter where we are in the world we can track What's mm -hmm. happening in the with, in the vineyard from a weather station? We have a very sophisticated irrigation system that we can track anywhere we are in the world, and we can turn on, turn off uh, different parts of the vineyard depending on what's happening in the vineyard. Mm -hmm. But we still get <laughs> Mother Nature still sneaks up on us. Yeah, and we have absolutely no control. She needs a glass of wine or two. I know. I think so. I think this is it for wineries. You need to have the glass of wine in the naughty word bucket. You exactly. Know? I I was thinking of you. You know, we travel full time across the country and catch mm -hmm. it as we go. So you never know when you hear a barking dog. It could happen anytime. It's trash day today in Eugene, Oregon. <laughs> so I think it could happen. But we're actually taking care of this amazing garden. And mm -hmm. a huge part of this is a grapevine. And yesterday the sun came up and I turned around and went, bud break. And then I'm like, am I right in even saying bud break in a garden? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, because all of a sudden the little leaves mm -hmm. came out. And, and she told us before she flew off, she says, 
you're going to see the grapevine happen while I'm gone, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's kind of hard for people that are so attached to their garden, even though they want to travel. It's like, we're actually seeing everything come to fruition. I know it's so much fun. (laughs) I feel so terrible. I'm like, I'm going to send you photos every day. This is growing here, but it did happen. It just Mm -hmm. went from this. You could see it was going to do it, but like literally in two days of sunshine, Mm -hmm. it said, hello, I'm here. Let's have a party, you know? So it's kind of this exciting thing. And I can imagine like, I mean, you can't necessarily walk the vineyard every single day. I mean, how many acres would that be? Yeah. (laughs) Well, we're, we're a small vineyard, so we have, 13 acres under production, which mm-hmm. um, produces about three to three twenty five hundred to three thousand cases if we have a, a real prolific year. And um, so, yeah, it's it's not uh, you, it's definitely walkable. But uh, if you want to get your steps in for the day, it'll, yeah. it'll be, it's a nice walk. But uh, yeah, we ch- yeah. we spot check it all the time. Mm. So, like, this is something you know, we, we sent you 10 questions to answer about the success in wine, because dang, it ain't easy, you know, and so, and everyone, uh, you can see uh, Peggy's answers up on blend radio and tv.com. Also see her up in our expert department. And this will be a feature in our quality of life magazine that marries, you know, personal development and professional development too, because you can't have one without the other. And in between you need a glass of wine. (laughs) But um, there's, I think this is what's so crucial about what we're doing with this series with you is that people even understand the art and craft of winemaking and understand even the pricing. Because when you're talking about 2,500 to 3,000 cases, you've got to charge for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, you've got to be solvent. Is that a challenge ever? And I mean, I think because you have a tasting room and there's you know food and, and all of that, that you can provide these other events and experiences that helps. But is that part of a challenge at all to explain to people why price, the way pricing has to be for craft wines? Right. Um, you know, in every winery has a different philosophy. Our philosophy has always been to make the highest quality wine we can, but make it approachable. We want mm-hmm. people to enjoy our wine and not just save, even though people do this, we don't want people just to save it for that special occasion. Any Tuesday is a special occasion, (laughs) in our opinion. So drink Mm -hmm. our wine. So we want our wine to be approachable from a price standpoint also, but we do very handcrafted wines. We, um, We age our wines. Most of our red wines are aged almost three years, and then another year in the bottle before it comes to market. So the cost associated with, you know, not only farming uh, in a handcrafted way, but then taking care of that wine over three years and then bottling it and then, um, Hmm. you know, cellar aging it for another year before release it. So we have had almost five years with that bottle of wine before it's released to the marketplace. And We, we don't nine months of holding a baby before that comes out is a whole big deal, but that's like five years. Correct. Five years. Correct. It's a gestation exactly. period. Exactly. Mm. So, and also I mentioned that we don't have any additives. So we, mm. um, we find our wines uh, every 45 days. We're, we're letting wine settle in our, our barrels and we're emptying the barrels of our wine, cleaning out those barrels of the sediment and then putting the wine back in and topping it off. Hmm. And we're doing that every 45, um, 40 to 45 days. So you can imagine when you have, you know, 200 barrels in the cellar room and we're doing that to our barrels every 45 days. It's a very handcrafting way. So we don't, most, a lot of wineries, I don't know, I don't want to say most, a lot of wineries will wait till the end of the process and maybe do, fine it a little bit at that point and then just put something in it to attract those sediments an additive to attract those sediments and then scoop out any sediments and then filter the wine before it goes into the the bottles we don't do that um, Hmm. only because we think it's harsh on the wine and like i said earlier we're very gentle and handcrafting with our wine process so all of Hmm. that adds to the cost of making that bottle of wine, you know, not only the cost of the bottle, the labels, the corks, 
um, and the time that went into making that bottle, um, but we still try to keep it approachable. Mm-hmm. Which it is for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one thing I wanted to say is, you know, doing this kind of, you know, endeavor is this is like a journey. It's not like a sprint at all when it comes to winemaking. Did you have mentors along the way that helped you and still help you today? Absolutely. Um, it's a in Arizona. It's a very small industry, so we all know each other. We uh, talk to each other. We taste each other's wines. We share um, issues that have have arisen or or and how they dealt with it, and we share information. Um, but wine people are just really passionate about what they're doing and willing to share information, which is wonderful. So we've had people that have, uh, we've turned to up in the Northwest and in California um, that have shared information with us along this journey. So we're very appreciative. And we also give back, you know, so if anyone calls us for any kind of advice, we're very willing to share information. But I mean, that just helps the entire industry. And especially when you're looking at a location, um, the more of you that work together, the more you become a wine destination in your state, which obviously helps everybody. Exactly. That that works. That works. And being the, our tasting room is in downtown Scottsdale. We're like a mini chamber of commerce for the wine industry because mm-hmm. people come from all over yeah. the world, actually, mm-hmm. and want to know about wine in Arizona, not just mm-hmm. LDV winery, it's wines, but wine in Arizona. So uh, my staff knows and tasted wines from all over the state and know about the wine regions and can give that information to our, our customers mm-hmm. that that visit us uh, so that they are educated about what we have to offer here in Arizona. It's interesting about Scottsdale too, because it's an art destination, Mm world-renowned art destination, you know? So I think when people are, you know, collect wine, uh, art collectors, it goes with wine collecting too, because now you understand time, you have that value, you know, that sensibility. So it's kind of a, it was a smart move to do Scottsdale. Is that what you thought about? Okay, the world destination, but Scottsdale was the art part of it. Absolutely. I mean, I, I love art. Obviously I have a great painting behind me, but um, I, we just started this wonderful experience that we offer customers. It's called Wine and Art. And Mm. we partnered with a wonderful gallery in downtown Scottsdale and once a month, we host this wine and art event. And cool. so we, we pair three pieces of art with three different of our wines. And our Ooh. winemaker and either the artist or the art gallery owner explains the inspiration behind the art piece and maybe what went into creating that piece of art. And the winemaker talks wow. about what, why he chose the wine he did to pair with that piece of art. And what was the inspiration in developing that bottle of wine and um, just the commonalities between an artist or a sculptor or a painter and a winemaker making a bottle of wine. That is so cool. That's so cool. Sounds like, obviously, we have to come to the tasting room now and the vineyard. (laughs) I want to go. Apparently, people could go camping on your vineyard, too. We have to touch on that, you know, but this is something that um, you're creating an experience. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, that goes beyond here. Enjoy a glass of wine, which to me is always an experience and an important part of life. But there is an experience that you're creating in your tasting room with these events and just special occasions. Absolutely. And if people went on our website and went to experience LDV, you'll see the different kinds of experience that we have to offer, like Linez Devin, the aromatherapy for wine lovers or, or winos, as I like to say. But, <laughs> She's but it's approachable. A, yes. <laughs> but, it, but it's a wonderful uh, uh, experience for a group of gals or your family that comes in from out of town. We t- I, what I try to do is help people find the vocabulary to describe wines and to um, experience wine by expanding your sense of smell, which is so critical to your sense of taste, and be able to pick out the nuances of different grape varieties and different kinds of wines. And it's a lot of fun. And we do a, a little chocolate pairing also as part of that so they can okay. understand 
how the wines change with when nice. you introduce chocolate to it. Ooh, ah, that, so, that sounds good. Do you choose the wine first, then the food to pair with it, or the food and then the wine? Oh, great question, because I always love to say um, to choose the wine first and then create your meal around the wine, because you can't change the wine, right? But you can change your meal. You can change how you cook that salmon, be it poached salmon versus grilled salmon, um, and it will dictate different wines that you would pair with it, but also the widdits, as the Jamaicans call it, everything else on the plate besides the protein. So the, how you cook your vegetables or the potatoes or whatever else you're serving with the protein, you need to think about when, when you're pairing mm. it with the wine. So choose the wine first. Oh, okay. And That's taste no problem. it first. So That's you really no problem. Yeah, taste well. it. I know you need two bottles. So one while yes. you're cooking and tasting and one for when Absolutely. you're serving. Just yeah. <laughs> Cook with the wine you're going to serve. Yeah. It'll really mm -hmm. make the pairing even better. Yeah. Mm. Now, what about music and wine? Don't you think they go hand in hand too? Like, like you do with art, like there's a whole thing about, mm. I, to me, certain wines, you need to have peppy music. Some right. wines you want to have the, the woo woo. Yeah, <laughs> the woo-woo. <laughs> the woo-woo. have the woo-woo. Right, yeah. We have one of those wines. The <laughs> woo-woo oh. wine for the woo-woo wines. Day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We have a we have what we call the uh, the epilogue, which is our dessert wine, which is a hundred percent petite syrah, aged mm -hmm. for I think it's almost six years, and it's eighteen percent alcohol, but it is so smooth. You're. Uh, you're sipping it, you're sipping it, and all of a sudden, or it's, uh, mm. you know, the alcohol kicks in and you're dancing on the tables or, or <laughs> dancing to um, the bedroom. <laughs> no, woo-woo wine. <laughs> I, you know, we, we had no dog barking until you brought up the woo-woo wine. I think that's funny. <laughs> she heard that and she's like, I want part of that. Yeah. <laughs> There's a dog yeah. next door, I'm checking out. I know what to do. But this is, this is exciting because I think we're going to be able to talk about all of these topics as we, you know, do this new series with mm -hmm. you. But take going back to your background of, you know, planning communities and cities. I mean, like you're saying, you have to get people to work together in agreement. How does that help you in what you do now in regards to owning a winery? You know, um, I, I did a lot of work on very controversial projects. Um, they always would, if, if everyone is yelling and shouting at each other, they brought me in to try to get people to the kumbaya stage, you know. Where she brought the wine. <laughs> <laughs> and, and somehow I was successful in doing that, um, being able to be the consensus builder and find a solution that everyone can agree on um, and move wow. forward. But I think what my previous career of urban planning um, brought to, and strategic planning brought to the wine business that I'm in now is that being able to understand long-term, being able, because this is not, nothing happens overnight in the mm. wine business. It's really a evolution process. And so my ability to do strategic planning and to think ahead and try to, I mean, there's always something unexpected that's going to happen, but if you have a game plan and you have an understanding of where you're headed and how you're going to grow your brand, and how you're going to add things along the way, I think is an expertise that I gained by mm -hmm. developing cities and, and working with people to think long-term, but act in a short-term strategy standpoint. You need get patience, butt, basically. Yeah, patience, yeah, and patience is at the same time. really important. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. I got that. My husband is not as skilled in that patience area as, <laughs> uh -oh. as I might be, but we balance each other out uh, well, and I kind of <laughs> have to talk him off the edge, uh, the ledge every once in a while. But uh, yeah, got to give him the woo woo wine. Well, that's yeah. a really yeah, it's the woo woo wine, but that's a really good part, uh, partnership too. I mean, and that's mm -hmm. a whole other thing going and working right. together. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're a mother daughter, so it can get lively, and we do need the wine. We do that's, need, you know, because that's, that's no, because we're 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 creatively uh, we're we're creatively compatible yet completely different and we're we work differently mm -hmm. so yeah, we do creatively annoy each other but it creates a good product 
it, it's, Correct. it's a good thing. And then we have to travel together and all that good stuff. We play together. But if there's a creative difference, it always ends with a glass of wine and mm-hmm. and a compromise getting things together, a compromise of mm. All right, I'll see things your way. Yeah, I don't like this part, but I'll I'll accept that. Part, well, it's about you know? time. But, but if <laughs> if you don't have wine, I I don't I uh, no because you need... never tells us we're not allowed wine. It's just too bad. No, it's like taking a deep breath so you mm-hmm. can slow down for a little bit because I mean temperature flare and people are are panicked and in a hurry and you know trying to get stuff done by a deadline and all that. So a glass of wine. If you drink it properly. Oh, you really know how to do that, Nancy. I know. You, I'm good at it. I'm practicing. She <laughs> doesn't wait for the special occasion. Yeah, take good. a deep breath. Good. No, I don't want to wait for a special occasion. I want to practice the whole time. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. It's always, I think, when you, when you mm. love someone and you respect them, mm. you're trying to create something like us with the winery. Um, we have our roles and we try mm. to stay in our lanes and uh, <laughs> every once in a while I'll sneak into the winemaking lane uh-huh. and he'll sneak into my marketing and brand mm. development lane, but um, which is fine, but mm. we respect each other. We love each other and we communicate effectively. And, and sometimes mm. it's not for everyone. I would not rec- it's hard. It, I would not recommend um running a business with your spouse or someone mm. close, it's hard, but you mm-hmm. have to be, but we also ran our um, planning firm for 25 years. So we've yeah. always worked together our pretty much our whole adult life. So we, we, Good for you. we mm. figured it out how to navigate the tough times mm. and, and, and try to work through it. And we're very different in terms of our styles, our personalities, and, um, but we have our common values and our common goal that's good so you get the both you get the best of both Mm -hmm. right and i and i think also what you were talking about in urban planning is that communication part Mm -hmm. and i think that's also important for when things go wrong because things always go wrong in business whether it's growing grapes making wine uh you know customers Mm -hmm. you can't you can't please everyone i try but no, no matter what, you go crazy. and then sometimes I've had to learn, and Nancy's had to say, you just got to turn and walk away from it. Just, mm-hmm. Right. Just I mean, away. yeah. Who would have predicted COVID? Uh, exactly. And how that for us to have to navigate through that. And on top of mm-hmm. that, we were closed because our building was going to collapse on top of us in our tasting room. So oh, we nice. were, we were closed for nine Where's months. Where's the swear bucket? Yeah, exactly. We needed some major swearing. <laughs> but, and so, you're Italian, so you know it. And Italian, yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So we um, we were closed down for nine months of no oh. revenues being generated. And not fun. Not fun, but we had to figure out how to navigate through that and save our business, basically, and oh. and save our staff and and. We still had mm. to keep farming because the grapes didn't know anything about COVID or the vineyard was, we still had to farm. We still had to pay for bottles and, and barrels and corks and everything else when we were gen- generating zero income for mm. nine months. So, wow. yeah, but we made it. We made yeah, it. Cheers. How was that even in getting, you know, the corks and the bottles, where is that even, was that hard to get those supplies? Oh, absolutely. The supply chain has hit um, the wine industry like it's hit everything. For example, you know, we needed to order bottles because we were way behind in bottling because of COVID. And we finally found a supplier to get our bottles, but we had to buy a whole semi truck full of bottles in order for them to deliver them. And of course, a small winery like ours, we didn't need a whole semi truck, but in order to ensure that we would have bottles when we need them, needed them, we had to spend the money to buy a, tr- a semi truckload of bottles to be delivered to the winery. So, wow. wow, yeah, you know, we've we heard stories of restaurants having to put their mm-hmm. food orders together to actually yep. get like meat delivered and things right. like like they took like what a small restaurant and just said, you now need to be you know ordering for ten, <laughs> you know, right? It's like crazy, right? Huh? crazy oh stuff. And, 
I mean, our printer couldn't get the pulp to make the labels. Uh, of what? course, I know wow. crazy things like that, or that, of course, the cork we bought use natural cork coming from Portugal, and of course, the shipping um, issues associated with getting things from overseas. Just and then just the cost of trucking um, mm. and the time and uncertainty of trucking. It's been a challenge. Um, mm -hmm. Our our barrels are made in Missouri, and so they have to be shipped wow. from. You know, if we use French oak, like in our Grenache, the French oak comes from France, obviously goes to Missouri. Our our Cooper makes the barrel in in Missouri, and somehow it has to get out to Arizona, and that cycle wow. of shipping has has lengthened tremendously. And it doesn't feel like when, you know, COVID and, and challenges in, in small business, you have that, okay, I solved it, but it's, you don't really get to, it's not like overcoming a goal and achieving a goal when you go through these challenges and you feel good, like, hey, I solved the mm -hmm. challenge, but you know, something else got taken away for it. And you don't really get to have any kind of glory time over those kind of challenges because in a small mm. business, there's another one going, I'm coming. I'm coming. It's, it's right around the corner. Exactly. Just, you know, I don't know why we all do it, but we do because it's we can control the destiny as best we can, even during COVID. And I think that taught a lot of people, you know, in the worst time, people are starting to go, I'm going to do my own business, even if it's a side business, which by the way, is really good for taxes. I think that's, that's a good thing to do. If you're doing really well in your career and you can have a side business, that's a good, good idea to do. Mm -hmm. but, and it teaches you things. I mean, running your own business, hasn't that really taught you more than if you were working for somebody in a way. And yet at the same time working for someone, you can learn a whole bunch and do, I'm not knocking that at all, but there's, there's something in us all we're all kind of nuts to do it. Yeah. You know, I think what COVID and the uncertainty of everything has really um, taught us is how to be more resilient mm -hmm. and how to be adaptable to new circumstances because it changes just about daily mm -hmm. and we have to react quicker and be able to respond and move in a different direction. But not everyone has has learned how to do that and it's so challenging you know you you can't get stuck and wallow in the mm. uncertainty and wallow into uh, the change mm. that's being um you know thrown at you constantly you got to be able to figure out okay step back i'm breathing i take a deep breath okay now what's my next step and how mm -hmm. do I move forward and mm -hmm. it's been hard for a lot of people to be able oh, yeah. to handle that the anxiety and the the mental health issues that mm. this country is facing is a result of that I think constant mm -hmm. change and uncertainty and not knowing where to go and you know but then when you do your own business you have control you know to make so you know, so you have a better shot at making changes that you need to make. Mm -hmm. Then if somebody else is telling you, this is what you have to do, you have to be at work from nine to five, and this is what you do all day long. This is how you behave all day long. This is how you dress all day long. I'm already bored with it. <laughs> but yes, but look at how many yeah. small business did not, yeah. that did not recover. And exactly. that have gone yeah. out of business. Exactly. Out of business. Mm -hmm. They were not able to figure out how to survive or yeah. they gave up because they were uh, immobilized. Um, yeah. So change, change is so huge. It, you know, that is the only constant when you're running a business and in life in general, change is the constant. And I think you're really right. We watched, you know, we were, you know, we travel full time. Imagine that during COVID, oh. like, holy cow, right? <laughs> Listen, everybody needs a swear bucket and the wine. That's, let's just well, put it that way. No and matter that is, what, we all need that. That but is why we want wine. We yeah, need you, you need that. And then you can move on fast. Mm -hmm. You have to, you, you can't dwell. Like you're saying, there is no time to sit and dwell in it. Mm -hmm. You have to make a plan. And even if you don't know how or what, you need to just jump in with two feet. And even if it's wrong, then you do another turn. You have yeah. to keep changing and I think that is such 
such powerful lessons in life mm-hmm. for anybody to have and for employees to learn too. That was something Correct. else. Those businesses that maintain their employees, sometimes they had to make some cuts, uh, change things up, but the employees and the management owners that worked together and decided, let's be fluid, let's do this. I thought it created a better communication dynamic for those who are still surviving. I think that's why they're surviving is that communication. And there's so much, so many resources. I mean, during that nine months, I was on a webinar learning something new almost every other day Mm. uh, with the SBA or with um, here in Arizona, the Commerce Authority had webinars. So I was becoming an expert on creating videos. I was becoming an expert on all aspects of social media, on geofencing and on things that... Geofencing. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> That's a whole nother topic. And, wow. But, cool. <laughs> but, um, you know, and my husband was learning about the vineyard and, and um, trying to find new ways of, of dealing with issues in the vineyard. So it, there were resources to tap and not everyone took advantage of those. And we kind of redid our way of connecting with people since we were closed. And and did Facebook live cooking shows from the vineyard. And, cool. and we did Zoom calls with our club members uh, to introduce new wines and stuff. So, you know, we had to really mm-hmm. adapt and mm. change and be resilient and continue to learn so that we were prepared for the new um, reality when we opened up again. Mm. It was weird because I think there was better communication between clients and businesses during COVID yet at the same time we all missed the in-person but there was a need of connectivity people wanted that connection I mean we -hmm. went daily with our radio shows and now here we are daily as soon as COVID hit and when people we knew businesses and organizations in the tourism industry that did that floundering and like oh no well we don't have events to talk about oh I'm like got a whole town where's the bucket where's the bucket (laughs) You know, because there's things that rhyme with that word. And that's basically, I was just going, you have an open audience listening more now than ever. And Mm -hmm. this is the time to tell stories about your communities, back history. There's so much you can do. And it's, it is actually when these kind of restrictions happen and challenges, a really way to, to be creative and you will find new things about your business. I know so many uh, musicians, it sucked for them. They couldn't go on tour, but some musicians made more money doing live streams than they did touring. Not saying that mm-hmm. they didn't miss touring and they're not out there now, but there's creative things that I know mm-hmm. businesses that have changed their model because they found better things. They learned, they, they had that creative mm-hmm. muscle and a little bit of time. So did you find that too? Did anything different come out of that for the long term from COVID? Oh, absolutely. It's, you know, we've always um, built our business on creating experiences for people. And we define that uh, as in-person kind of experience um, connection. But because of COVID, obviously, we have found new ways to do that without having people um, touch us and be at the vineyard or be in the tasting room. So um, reaching out and connecting with people um, is so important. And we do it in so many other ways than just face to face. So the one thing before you go is I know you've got the tasting room that we've talked about, but Chiricahua National Monument is around the corner from the vineyard. And last time I chatted with you, you were saying people through Harvest Host, which is a cool website in fact the founder was on our show um wow about four or five i can't yeah. count anymore that's one mm-hmm. thing from covid none of us can count everything's a blur yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have another glass of wine but um so harvest house is a program where people can basically find uh free you have to be off the grid be able to be off the grid in your rv or your vehicle of camping but and not bring a tent and pitch it in a vineyard it's you have to be self-contained so you have to have your own potty your own shower you know that kind of thing Mm -hmm. but you're part of that program on harvest toast where people can stay there but you also do events at the vineyard right so i know it's it's not something that everybody can just stop by going to chiricahua national monument or tombstone or any of the other southeast arizona is 
just like an amazing destination just even for bird watchers you know mm-hmm. so um is it like by appointment how does the whole thing work for the vineyard absolutely yeah we love to be a part of harvest host and so uh we get visitors from all over the country um staying at the vineyard pretty much every single week and so you have to be a member of harvest host and you you uh, mm. make your reservation through harvest host to stay at our vineyard but we've we've gained from that program uh, new wine club members because we do a tasting with them and they they a tour of the winery and a tour of the vineyard and they fall in love with our place and and become friends for life and and become wine club members. So we've loved the idea of Harvest Toast. We do have events at the vineyard. We're very remote. As you can see from the setting behind you, we're very remote. We're three and a half hours from the Phoenix area, an hour and a half from Tucson, the clo- or hour and maybe 45 minutes from Tucson. The closest towns are an hour, almost an hour away from us. So we're very remote, but it's beautiful. So every mm-hmm. August, the first August uh, or first Saturday in August is our wine country barbecue. A lot of fun to come and spend the day at the vineyard. We, we do a big barbecue. We do special tours of the winery and the vineyard. And it's just a great day to spend in the vineyard. The vineyard is filled with grapes. It's just before harvest and great photo opportunities. Um, but we do do tastings by appointment. So if you're planning a trip to the area, call us ahead because we're not always there or we're busy um, in the winery and can't host you. But if we're around and able, we'd love to host you there because there's just so much to do in southeastern Arizona. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, we're excited about this. So mm. every first Wednesday, we're having wine time with Peggy because it's I Wine like Wednesday it. and this is going to be cool. It's just yeah, and, and we shouldn't be recording this in the morning. From now on, let's do wine time. That's right. <laughs> I'm like, I want a glass of wine. Exactly. Absolutely. But we're allowed to drink wine whenever we want. We're adults. Yeah, that's right. You Day know? drinking is okay. That, oh, you see, she, and yes. so that's it. Yeah, and pair it well. That's it. It's pair a new well. song. I'm a day drinker. There you go. That's a, everyone, ldvwinery.com is the website to go to. Also keep up with our shows at bigblendradio.com. And you can see Peggy up on Blend Radio and tv.com in our expert department. And we'll start be you know building playlists so you can listen from one interview to the next. You can binge wine time with Peggy. <laughs> <laughs> I like I'll get that. you through a bottle. That's there it. That's it. Thanks so much, Peggy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.